I want to begin by asking you a question. How many of you are good at making decisions? <laughs> you, you know what you want, you go in the store, you get what you want, and you're undistracted by all the options that are there. How many of you are like that? Some of you are, okay? And if you are, I'm very jealous because I'm not one of those people. I have the disease that I call uh, paralysis by analysis, right? I get stuck in decisions because I overanalyze everything. In fact, just this past week, um, uh, Graham and I are going on a, a, hunt, a father-son hunt together in December, so I purchased a rifle, first rifle I've ever owned, and so I thought, well, I need to do a little research to find out what kind of ammunition to use, and so I made a post on an online hunting forum, and then I sent out some requests to some of my buddies that I knew were hunters, and I asked the salespeople in the store, you would not believe the number of opinions that I got in response. I was overwhelmed with the options, and if you can picture this, I'm standing in Cabela's staring at the, the, the uh, row of ammunition, and I'm surprised somebody didn't come up to me and say, are you okay? Because <laughs> I'm just standing there like, I got no idea. I have no idea. Have you ever been in a place like that before where you had so many options, so many things to choose from, that you just got stuck? <laughs> you couldn't make a decision. Well, I think that that may be similar to what we're going to find in our passage this morning. And it may not be that big of a deal when you're trying to choose what rifle ammunition <laughs> to make a decision on, but when there is a decision that ultimately alters the course of your life, that's altogether different, isn't it? That's why the book of Proverbs is so important. Ultimately, the book of Proverbs is a book that was given from a father to a son and ultimately from a heavenly father to his children to help us understand what it looks like to make wise decisions. You may remember when I began the study, I said the book of Proverbs is like a biblical GPS system that helps you navigate life, making God-honoring decisions as you go. It helps us make our way through those myriad of choices that we all face in our life. And very often, at face value, they look very much the same. Kind of like when I was standing at that row of ammunition, there were lots of good choices. I just didn't know which was the best choice that I needed to make for me. I think we find the same thing in life. And when they look the same, how do we know which one's the right decision? How do we not get paralyzed by all the available options as we walk through life? Well, I think that what we're going to look at in Proverbs this morning is going to give us some insight into those questions. I want us to follow along as I believe the Father kind of leads His Son down a path. He's showed Him the way of wisdom, and now He's reached a fork in the road. I want you to kind of picture in your mind this Father standing there with His Son, and there are two paths going in different directions. In fact, there are two houses, and from those houses are two invitations to come and have a meal in those houses. And it's as if the father pauses and says, okay, son, this is the time that you've got to make a decision. I can't make this one for you. Your faith has to be your own. But he warns him, he says, son, be careful to make the right choice. Because the path you choose will determine the person you become. Your choices will define your character. So, son, choose wisely. That's what we're going to look at together this morning. So let me pray for our time. Father, as we come before you, uh, we realize that uh, 
We absolutely need your help in making wise decisions. Whether it's just being paralyzed by all the options or uh, being deceived by things that look so good on the outside but we find out are so wrong on the inside, we need your guidance. We need your word to speak truth into our lives. We need your spirit to give us, give us understanding so that we can walk in a way that is honoring to you and brings your goodness into our life when we live according to your design. So, Father, as we look at this last passage in Proverbs together this morning, would you guide our way? Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Shed light on our path. We pray this in your name. Amen. Before we begin this morning, I want to kind of give a little heads up on a different angle I'm going to take at our passage this morning. We're going to look at the first section as we would normally do, but then we're going to skip down to the last half. And then when we finish that, we're going to go back to the middle to see what was sandwiched in between these two. Because like I said, the father has led his son to a fork in the road. And at this fork in the road are two possible paths that his son can take with two possible invitations. And actually, we'll see that the invitations are exactly the same. So at face value, the decision looks very similar to one another. But he wants them to see that the outcome is drastically different between the two. But the son has to decide ultimately which path he's going to choose. And I think ultimately as we read this passage, it's a decision we've got to make as well. I want you to picture yourself being led by your heavenly father to a fork in the road. And you have a decision to make. And let's look at what that is. Turn to chapter 9, verse 1, if you're not already there. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her maidens or her messengers. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my food. Drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live. And proceed in the way of understanding. So the first path leads to the house of wisdom. And there's some important qualities about this house of wisdom that we need to look at. The first of all, I want you to to look and ask yourself, who built the house of wisdom? She did, right? Wisdom has built her house. She didn't hire somebody to do it. She didn't uh, get somebody to do her work. She was very diligent to do those things herself. She wanted it done right, so she both designed and then handcrafted the house in which she lives in. And by the description, we can see that it's a solid house. It's got strong construction. It says there that she hewn out seven pillars. And if you think about that in your mind, you think of a strong, safe, sturdy house. There's a lot of question about what those seven pillars may represent. I really don't know. I tend to think they may talk about the, like the seven days of creation. The days in which God created something and it was good. That when He finished it, it was all that it needed to be. And I believe that that's what the house of wisdom is as well. Inside her house, we see wisdom preparing a meal. And once again, notice that she's personally involved in making those preparations. Everything from, from preparing the meal to, to setting the table. 
In fact, in the original language, when it says that she prepared the meal, it literally means slaughtering the slaughter. So what that's intending to communicate is that wisdom prepared the meal that is being served all the way from the butcher block to what's set on the dinner table. From start to finish, she was personally involved in preparing this meal inside this safe and well-built house that she's made. And notice how she's invited people to what I think is a gourmet meal that she has prepared. Wisdom sends out messengers to invite guests to her home. Where do those messengers go? Look at verse 3. Where do they go? Go to the highest places in town. Why do they do that? Because she wants everybody to hear. Think about a big crowd. And if you want to get everybody's attention, you don't mingle them out in the crowd. You stand. That's why we have this. That's why I'm up here, is so that you can see me and you can hear what I'm saying because the message from what we're talking about is really important. Well, that's what wisdom does. She says, go to the highest place in the city so you can get everybody's attention because I want everyone to know that they're all invited to come to my house. The meal is exquisite, but it's not a country club affair. This isn't for members only. This is for the rich and the poor, for the young and the old. Everyone is invited. There seems to only be one requirement. Look at verse 4. It says, Whoever is naive, let him choose my house. Whoever lacks understanding, she goes on to say, Come freely and eat fully. The point here is that wisdom's meal is only appetizing to those who have something to learn. (laughs) To those who actually hunger to grow in their understanding. Because notice in verse 6 that it will require a choice. Choosing to walk down the path to wisdom's house requires that you abandon the path of foolishness. It says, forsake your folly and live. The point being made here is you can't have both. You're at a fork in the road. And to choose one, you have to reject the other. And you'll only be satisfied with wisdom when you fully and completely choose to reject What is foolish? See, the life of wisdom is only found if we're willing to forsake all other options. It reminds me of that parable in the New Testament where the man finds a treasure hidden in a field. Do you remember what he did? He goes and sells everything that he has. Why? Because he wants to buy that field. Why? Because he wants that treasure. And I believe that's the message of Proverbs when it comes to seeking wisdom. You forsake all others because you know that that is the treasure that you most want in life. The wisdom of God guiding the path of your life. It shouldn't be a surprise that we see a very similar scene represented in the New Testament as well. Like we talked about this morning, the Lord wants us to sit at His table and enjoy the meal that He has personally prepared. Everyone's been invited. For God so loved the world. Everyone's invited. He sent out messengers and He says, go to the highest places to speak to as many people as you can and let them know that this meal has been prepared for them. They are invited. But in order to find your way to Christ, you have to forsake all other paths. You have to make a choice. You see, 
Jesus is not an add-on. He must mean everything to you to the point that you're willing to forsake all others in order to find Him. It's true for the path of wisdom and it's true for the path of salvation. There's only one way and you forsake all others to find it. Now, I want us to go back to that fork in the road because we've only looked at one option. We've kind of walked up to Wisdom's house. We've seen what it looks like. We've looked inside. Now I want us to go back to that fork in the road because there's another path leading to another house. And I want us to see what that looks like as well. Look at verse 13. Chapter 9, verse 13. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. As you look at this section, you're going to see that it's very, very similar to the first option, isn't it? Like wisdom, folly calls out and her invitation is exactly the same. She says, whoever is naive, let him turn here. Whoever needs understanding, let them come my way. It's the very same invitation that wisdom has made. So at face value, this is the decision that looks almost the same. It's as if you could go to either one and it'd be okay. But we need to look further because I want you to notice how the woman of folly is loud and boisterous. Unlike wisdom who was disciplined, who who was focused on preparing something that was really important. It's as if folly could care less. She's just sitting out on the porch, feet propped up. I have in my mind that she's got music going. This is a good time. And she's just telling people who are passing by, hey, if y'all want to have some fun, Come on over. Everyone's invited. Come to my house. Have as much as you want. She sits at her door and calls as those who pass by. But in verse 13 it says that her invitation is without knowledge. She's naive, calling out to the naive. And it makes me think of the New Testament where it talks about the Pharisees, the blind, leading the blind. I think we see something very similar happening here. According to verse 17, her offer is made based purely on the appeal of pleasure. The thrill of living life on the edge. Kind of stepping outside of the boundaries just a little bit. It's an invitation without knowledge that says, listen closely, hey, who's up for whatever? Sound familiar? It's loud and clear in our world today. It's a common advertising campaign that targets, guess who? The young and the naive. Just like folly, as those who pass by receive the very same invitation. Hey, who's up for whatever? There's no definition of what whatever is because we're going to figure that out as we go. It's an invitation without knowledge. And here's why this is important to you this morning. Because if you're here this morning with any intention of trying to be on the right path, then guess who she's making the offer to? 
Look at it. Verse 15. Calling out to those who pass by, who? Who are making their paths straight. You see who the invitation is being made to. Not the people that are on the wrong path. They already know the way to her house. She's talking to you who are on the right path. And she's doing just what wisdom is doing. She's calling you to change your direction. She's wanting you to forsake the, the, the convictions that you've made and choose to do something different, to taste a little bit of the wild side where the fun really is. Now, the food's not all that great, but that's not why you're there, right? It's bread and water, for goodness sake. But it's sweet and it's pleasant, she says. And yet when you get to her house and you sit at her table, it seems to always leave you feeling empty. And let's be honest, we've all tasted what her food is like. Every single one of us. It might have sounded good at the time, but it never ever delivers quite what you thought it would be. In fact, there was this long line of people that were coming into her house because this is the happening place. This is where the party is. But you sit down at her table, you're unsatisfied after the meal, and you look around and, where is everybody? It's as if they're not hanging around anymore. It was such a happening place. What's going on? Well, verse 18 explains what's going on. It says, but he does not know that the dead are there. They are guests in her house in the depths of Sheol. You see, the path of foolishness leads to destruction. And the woman of folly is hiding the dead bodies in the basement. That's where everybody is. It's the father's not-so-subtle way of painting a vivid picture to his son of, you don't want to go there. I don't care how good it sounds. It's a trap. And it will cost you your life. Now, what's interesting about this passage as we look through this is we don't know what decision the, the son makes. It kind of leaves us hanging. We're wondering, well, which path did he take? I think that's on purpose. I think God designed this passage to put us in the path, that fork in the road where we are the ones who have to make the decision. We need to ask ourselves, what path are we going to take? What choice are we going to make? And sandwiched in between these two options is a description of what the decisions look like depending on the path that you might take. I want us to look at that together. Look at verse 7. It says, He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer. He will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach, righteous man, teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. See, over the first eight chapters, the father has been faithful to lead his son down the path of wisdom. He's challenged his son to make his faith his own and to put his faith and trust wholly and completely in the Lord. 
he's confronted the reality of wanting to go your own way, the temptation that we all face. He, he's accepted the appeal of what seems so pleasurable in life. And he says, I understand. It's out there. But he wants his son to know that the easy way is rarely the right way. That the path of least resistance very often is the path that leads to destruction. And the response to his father's instruction is ultimately what reveals the true character of his son's heart. And this is the section of the passage that we need to make very personal. We need to ask ourselves, how do we respond to God's instruction, our Father? And what does it say about the true condition of our heart? The Father explains that there's two basic responses. This is, there's the one that rejects instruction and the one that receives it. He, he calls the one who rejects instruction the scoffer. Because very often this is the person who gets angry when you try to speak truth into their life no matter how loving that attempt may be. They don't like to be corrected, which is incidentally why they rarely spend time in God's Word. Because a great way to avoid conviction is just don't go there at all. If you don't like to be corrected, don't spend time in God's Word because it wants to make sure that you are on the right path. And it will shed light when you make the wrong decisions. These are the people who walk down this path. These are the people who are easily insulted when you, quote, get into their business. And they'll usually try and discredit the character of the one who is seeking to, to help them so that they have a reason to justify why they can't accept that counsel. Oh, what do they know? They don't have any idea what I'm going through. If they were in my shoes, they would see life differently. They don't understand the pressure I'm under. Or he's too old. He can't possibly relate to what I'm going through. You see, the pride of the scoffer is what pushes him to protect his right to his own opinion. He's just not teachable because he's so unwilling to accept any source of truth as being more valid than what he's determined to be best for himself. This is the person who might listen to a multitude of counselors and yet still make the choice to stand alone and go his own way. This kind of prideful arrogance reveals the selfish character of a hardened heart. That decision reveals the character of their heart. But the heart of the wise looks different, doesn't it? As you look at the passage, you see a different pattern. He understands that there's always something to learn. He, he invites input and, and considers it. It says there in uh, verse 9, If you give instruction to a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The idea here is they never arrive. They're always learning and growing. Their heart is teachable. Ultimately, it says, because of their fear of the Lord. But this is not an anxious fear. This is not a dread that assumes something bad's going to happen. This is a humble, worshipful submission to the Lord that expects something good. Something that directs their life toward 
a better understanding of God's best. It's a humble dependence upon the Lord. The, the fear is a posture that says, I trust you. And I am not going to depend on my own way. But I'm going to trust that your way is always better. And this teachable spirit is the reason that the person is so eager to go to God's Word. They want to know what it has to say. They believe it is the light that lights their path. And they want to understand it. Because they're not so arrogant to assume that they can figure this out on their own. This is a person, I believe, that lives in the context of community, that wants to invite the the fellowship of believers who speak into their lives for encouragement, for correction, because they're not so arrogant as to figure out that they can do this on their own. And so, as you listen to the description of the character of the decision that's being made, I think it begs the question, which one describes me? Which one am I? Am I willing to be changed by God's truth? Or will I stubbornly choose to go my own way? Am I going to live in isolation? Or will I trust in the design of God's community? Be honest with yourself. Will you be teachable and actually do something this morning with what you've learned? I would like to believe that of all we've done, including the songs we've sang and and the passage that we've looked at, that there's at least one thing that you can look at that would be significant for your life. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? You can listen and redirect your life to follow that path, or you can justify your actions by discrediting the message and justify that, oh, it doesn't apply to me. It's your choice. But consider it very carefully. Because the path you choose will determine the person you become. The choices you make will define your character. So like the father says to his son, I say to you, choose wisely. Let me close with this. We all know that life does not lead us to one single fork in the road, right? You actually face fork after fork after fork after fork. You get the idea. All through life you have these decisions. And and no matter what decision that may be or what season in life you may be in, we can trust that God's wisdom will always lead us in the right direction. The question is, are you willing to stop long enough to consider that direction? Scripture tells us over and over again that God is patient, and praise God for that. So thankful for His patience with us. It says that He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And one of the things that that word repentance means is changing your direction. It's doing what this passage says is leaving the life of folly and choosing to follow God. To pursue life. To turn from sin. And to put your trust in Him. And no matter how far down you are on that road of bad decisions, listen to me very carefully. You are only one good decision away from finding redemption and salvation in your life and seeing what God does to turn it around. One good decision away. No matter how far down 
that road of bad decisions you may be on. So maybe this morning we should just kind of take a moment and personally, individually, consider that decision. And and I want to challenge us to make a decision to be faithful in our commitment to follow Christ. Our strength. Let's decide today to be faithful in our walk with Him and in our fellowship with one another. To be teachable and committed to growing in Christ, knowing that no matter what season in life we may be in, there's always something to learn. Right, Mr. Leary? Always something to learn. Let's decide and be convinced in our heart that God's Word truly does guide the way. Let's decide not to walk away from this morning unchanged. Let's make a decision. In fact, some of you, um, let me encourage you to do this. Take some time this week to tell somebody what that decision is. One thing out of everything that we've walked through this morning or anything that we've gone through in Proverbs that you believe redirects your life to be more faithful in your commitment to follow Christ. One thing. In fact, if I might go as far as to say, I know the generation that this passage is written to spends a lot of time in social media. You tell them everything about what you're doing and where you're at. So maybe you do this. Maybe you hashtag, I have decided. Right? If it's that important to you, tell somebody. Tell a lot of people. What have you decided? to grow more faithful in your walk with Christ and in your fellowship with one another. We're at a fork in the road. You've got a decision to make. Choose wisely. Let me pray for our time, and then I want to introduce a family to you this morning. Lord, thank you so much for the time together, the great study of Proverbs. What a blessing to see that the links that you've gone to to help guide and direct our life by truth from your word. You call out to the, from the very highest place, ultimately, from a place up on a hill where a cross was. And you made an invitation to trust in you, to believe that that sacrifice that you made was on our behalf, for the forgiveness of our sins so that we may live in fellowship with you for all eternity when that's what we trust for our life as well. Father, we face a myriad of decisions. We have that call even today coming right into our living room. Hey, are you up for whatever? (laughs) That undefined, undisciplined call to live on the wild side. Because that's where the fun is. But nobody's at the party. They're all in the basement. So Father, help us to choose life by choosing you. I pray that this morning, that each and every one of us, regardless of where we are, perhaps some this morning for the very first time, putting their faith and trust in you wholly and completely. Still others who've made that decision recognizing that there's places in their life that they need to redirect their path to be more faithful in following you. 
some who have chosen a path that leads to isolation, who need to commit themselves to living in the fellowship of believers, knowing that the way that we often receive instruction from you is from our fellowship with one another, based on the truth of your word. I pray that there would be many decisions today to walk faithfully, fully committed to following Jesus Christ. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.